Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. Amen. Galatians chapter 1, we're going to read some in chapter 1 and in chapter 3. I have a question beforehand, though. You ever have anything that just makes you say, wow? (laughs) Oh, man. Something just, after all I've done seen, and you you feel like you've seen it all, and there's still some things that just make you say, wow. (laughs) You're just, wow. Are you serious? I guess we could go around. I don't know. That's usually a positive thing, though, so that would be the opposite of a testimony service if we just went around and said, what made you say, wow, today? There's different kinds of wows, I guess. I mean, you could say, wow. Or, wow. Or, you know, that, 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 that latter one's my least favorite. I get that some, wow, wow. You know, usually this, Owen Wilson, wow. One of those, you get some wows. What could make the Apostle Paul say, wow, right? Say, I, I, I am in shock. I can't, I can't believe it. Now, we're talking about the Apostle Paul here, right? The Apostle Paul is the, the, uh, you know, the author of two-thirds numerically, the New Testament. Um, he has seen a lot. You know what he has seen? He has seen uh, uh, miracles happen left and right. He has seen, I mean, just unbelievable things. He's all, he's, he, he got blinded. That's the level of what, you know, he, he's, he's on, the, on the road, uh, you know, on the Damascus road, and he gets blinded, you know, and, and, and he actually has an experience with God. He said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. He has seen so much it's blown his eyeballs out, right? Paul has seen a lot. I mean, you can't really catch him off guard. I mean, he's been beaten. He's been tortured. He's, you know, he's narrowly escaped. He has been in the, he has been in the middle of, or in the bottom of the prison, and the shackles have fallen off. He has seen angelic appearances. He has seen earthquakes. He has seen storms. He has seen miracles, life and death. He has seen a lot, right? So what could make the Apostle Paul just sit back, scratch his head, and say, I can't believe it. Of all the things that I can believe, I can't believe that. We'll get to that here in just a minute. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ, God the Father, who raised him from the dead, all the brethren who are with me, to the churches in Galatia. He writes this. Grace unto you and peace from God the Father, our our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. What a way to start a letter, right? I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel which is not another, but are the same. Or, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. I'll read that little passage there again. What God is, or what, what the Apostle Paul is saying. He said, of all the things that I can't believe, and all the things that I can believe, based on what I've seen the Apostle Paul, who has seen it all, he said, here's what I can't believe. I marvel. 
Like, the, you know, there's, there's a very popular, obviously, you know, movie series um, you know, called the Marvel superheroes. People who can do, obviously, uh, beyond what is normal, beyond what is physically or humanly possible. That's why it's called Marvel, you know, universe. So um, it, it, it's unbelievable. And that's why it sells, because it is beyond belief. It's beyond that which is possible. So, so he uses the same word. He said, I, you know, it's, it, I marvel. It is literally beyond belief or understanding or comprehension to me that you do this thing, that you turn away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but which some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you other than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, and now I say so again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you other than that which you have received, let him be accursed. Verse 10, for do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Go to Galatians 3. So he goes, he goes through some different stuff and, you know, and, and you know, addresses some things. And then he, uh, he, he kind of gets back into it. He starts out the letter very nice. And he's like, he's like oh, you know, praise God. So, you know, he's, How are you guys doing? What's up? And then he gets right into his, I can't, oh, by the way, I can't believe you. <laughs> what is, I can't believe what you did. I, of all the things. And then he delves back into it in, uh, in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? That you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. So I want to talk to you just for a couple minutes and answer some questions on who he is talking to here. So we're talking about uh, the book of what? Galatians. So Galatia is an area, um, you know, in... in uh, it's not quite in Asia Minor, sort of in Asia Minor, but it's on the far um, eastern side, of uh, eastern tip of it. And uh, these people who have been resettled um, ha- are a people um, from what would now be France, um, northern Spain, um, but mostly in France, even at, you know, close to where uh, you know, it, it, it touches Germany and some of the other countries there. Um, that's, that was a region called Gaul, G-A-U-L, not G-A-L-L. Gaul, right? And the Gauls in this particular period in time, they were a powerful people, but they're more, you know, uh, technologically not as advanced as the Romans. We're talking about guys with paint on their face, you know, running around the woods, you know, swinging stuff. You know, um, these these guys are uh, barbarians. And these barbarians were conquered in the generation before by none other than Julius Caesar. So Julius Caesar is this, you know, Everybody kind of remembers that name, right? You've heard of that before, Julius Caesar? Julius Caesar is a conqueror of the Gauls. Um, He took his armies. He butchered. He killed. He burned. He plundered his way all the way through um, modern-day France and this area that we're talking about, this area of Gaul. And it all came to kind of a crux. There was a a, a Gallic uh, general uh, named Vercingetorix. And this man, you know, he thought that he was going to be able to, to fight Caesar back and save his country, keep it from, you know, falling into Roman hands and being conquered. Because Rome was conquering everybody, right? Who crucified Jesus? There's the Romans, you know. It was because, you know, the, you know, Jesus chose to allow himself to be. But it was the Romans who ruled even Judea and Palestine and all that. So the Romans are conquering everybody. And the generation before this passage of Scripture is written, you have a battle, a final battle. And... 
Vercingetorix takes the whole army, and it's winter time, so he feels like he's safe because nobody campaigns, nobody fights a battle in the winter. He takes his people to a, a, a city loosely called Elysium, something like that, um, and he takes them in there, and then they, uh, they have walls surrounding everywhere. You know, it's a total ringed city. Some of you are like, oh, this history stuff's killing me. There's a point, because this actually, you know, goes into the, into the Bible story. And I'll give you a perspective on it. And so they look out one day, and they realize that Caesar hasn't given up in the winter like he was supposed to. And they start to, you know, freak out immediately. They're like, oh, this is not good. He's here, and uh, how long can he stay in the wo- you know, around here in the wintertime? He doesn't have any food, but he sets up camp. And the way he does it, he actually builds a wall around their wall. So it's a double-ringed city. And it gets really bad really quick because the food is cut off. It's winter time. They didn't expect it. They didn't prepare for it. So it gets so bad within a matter of weeks that they send out all of their children and the women hoping for mercy. Julius Caesar, number one, is not a good person. And he's also a smart person. He knows how to win this fight. And, he, and they just throw stuff at him and tell them all to go back. Because he knows that if he lets all the women and children go, then the men will have enough food to last much longer. So he sends them all back in. And in the end, thousands, tens of thousands of people are killed. And the city falls. And he becomes the great conqueror of the nation of Gaul. And he takes them into captivity. Enslaves the entire, you know, most of the race. And brings them back to Rome. Repatriates a few puts most of them into slavery, sells them, all the terrible things that happen. He caused that king, that Gallic king, Vercingetorix, he caused him to have to walk down you know, the Palatine Road with you know, chains around his neck showing that he had been conquered and then killed at the end. And so these people, why, why are you telling such a morbid story? Well, because we need to know, you know what it means, the history. Um, these people that he's writing to know what it's like to be brought into slavery. They know what it's like to be brought into bondage. They know what it's like um, to, to, to have somebody take their liberty away. Of the whole race, the whole nation, the whole, the whole world system of, this, of these people. They know what it's like to be brought into and to be witched, and, and to, but to be forcibly brought into slavery. And so Paul has preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to a people who know so much about bondage, spiritual and physical bondage. They know what bondage is. They know what it's like to be forced to do things against your will. They know what it's like to be locked into negative patterns of of thought and action and to have no power over your own future. And let me tell you something. Spiritually, we have a lot in common with these people because each and every one of us was a slave to sin. Now, you may say, I didn't do this thing, and I didn't do some of those things, but you were a slave to sin. You did not have the power of your own destiny. You didn't have the power to free yourself from the chains that bound you. We were slaves to sin. We were slaves to the lusts of our flesh. We were slaves to the negative thought patterns. Some of us were slaves to alcoholism. We were slaves to drugs, to bondage. Some of us were slaves to different things, to lust and pornography. Some of us were slaves to our pride and to our flesh, slaves to depression. And you know why I say that we were slaves? Because it controlled us. If it controlled you and it controls you, you're a slave to it. Man can't serve two masters. 
And so the Apostle Paul, having preached the blood of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel, has this to say to them later on. What? I can't believe somebody like you who knows what it's like to be forced into slavery would allow yourself to be led back into it. And it breaks his heart. He said, who has bewitched you? Why have you been brought back into the things that enslaved you? We can be that way. We, 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 can, we can operate that way as, as people. And let me ask you here today. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you struggle with. I don't know where, what your past is. But have you allowed yourself to be drawn back into slavery after having an experience with God? Have you allowed yourself to be bewitched? To be tricked? To be, to be led back into captivity? Because if you have... There is an answer. There is a solution. Now, what could, what could possibly do this? And I, I, I began to think about this question. You know, how, how on earth is it that, uh, you know, that, that we are able to be led back into those same things? But I, I know that even the Apostle Paul dealt with it. He said, you know, I have to daily crucify the flesh because there's this old man in me who wants to rise up, wants to live in a certain way. And I know that it is sinful and it is wrong. And the things that I do want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing because there is a battle, that continual battle, that wars in the heart and life of a believer between the two natures of mankind, the flesh nature which is prone to sin and irredeemable in our, in our sinful flesh, and the Spirit. And Paul's just saying, wow, I can't believe that you've, you, you've allowed yourself into this. And, but but I, I do believe that he also feels like a, a burden. He feels mercy toward them. He feels uh, empathetic towards them. Because very quickly as you read the passage, you understand why why it was so easy for them to fall back into that. And I, and I realized this. The thing that is easiest for us to be enslaved by is are usually or is usually the thing that has enslaved us in the past. Right? Isn't it easier to fall back into old negative patterns than it is to find new ones, right? That's how I feel for me. It's a lot easier for me to fall into, into being bitter or to acting in a, in a, in a wrong way. You know, that, that's kind of my MO. It's easier to slide back into that than to invent brand new ways to sin because we still have that. And honestly, the enemy knows what's worked on you in the past, and he knows what will work on you in the future if you allow it to. So he, he, he feels that out. He, attack, he is very um, educated and well-versed well in how to attack the life of a believer. Uh, some of us have just a natural inclination. You could, you could wave any kind of alcohol under my nose that you want for as long as you want to, and all I'll do is get nauseous. I don't want it. That's not my thing. Um, you know, like they're, they're, that, that's, that's not what he's going to come. You know, like I've never, you know, I don't have that. That's not my thing. Um, but there are other things that the enemy can come against me with, and then I have to fight and combat that. Now, for you, maybe that is. Maybe, maybe it is, and you just like you, you love you love a good drink, and then you know, it quickly becomes you know more than that, and you know you love one. You you only want one drink at a time, you know, and because it keeps coming, and that might be your thing, and you have to uh, you know, break the chains of bondage, and you have to be careful. Like, if you're a recovering addict, then surrounding yourself in that culture um, is a sure way to fall back into it. 
I used to say this to, uh, uh, to this young man that I was mentoring, uh, trying to help him make some financial, you know, better decisions. And I said to him, if, buddy, if you sit in a room with four broke guys for long enough, you'll be the fifth. Yes, no, maybe. You catch mindsets and you catch spirits. So you got to be real careful what you're allowing yourself. I mean, it's one thing when you're ministering you know, to people and, and actually trying to up, you know, uplift them and help them. Uh, that's one thing. But whenever it's your confidant and someone you're allowing to pour into your life, um, and, and that is where they are. You look at their life pattern and you know, their walk with God, and it is negative, and it's not where it should be. And it's, you know, that you will catch spirits. Spirits are not taught. They're caught. You got to be very, very, very careful uh, about that kind of situation. And I, I really, really, I feel like the Lord would want you to know this: that you need to go back to where you got the liberty, and stop going back to where you got the bondage. Right? You need to go back to where the liberty was found. And, and sometimes whenever we don't know what else to do, go back to the last place that you heard from God. Go, you know, go and operate out of the last thing that he told you. That's one sure way to do it. If you're not sure what, what, what mom expects of you, and you, you think maybe she would want me to do this, maybe she won't, what, what, whatever was the last thing you got told is probably a good place to start. The Apostle Paul, his heart breaks as he... Uh, as he Sees these people, and, and what am I talking about? What's actually going on with the the Gauls? Um, they're actually be brought, being brought into captivity in under spirit of religion, and these uh, these uh, Judaizers, Judaizers, these people who are um, who are Old Testament 100%. They don't understand the real concept of grace. They are bringing them into captivity into like a religious sense, um, forcing them to do um, you know the, these different things um, that that the Apostle Paul has clearly said that's not part of New Testament you know Christian living. And so he's bringing them under. These people have sneaked in. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't really believe um, what they should. And so they're bringing them into religious captivity. I think that can happen as well in our day and age. People will bring, nothing burns my biscuits quite like that. Because I've seen it. I have. I have. I've seen people bring new believers in, at liberty with a heart for God into captivity over foolishness. And I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And won't have it. Amen. That's, and that's what the Apostle Paul did. He said, I went and I preached them Jesus, and now, you, and now you've, you've been convinced after I preached you Jesus um, to make it all about you. You've been convinced to forget about Jesus and just, and just go under the law. There are so many ways you can fall into captivity. This people, it breaks my heart, and here's why. Because these people were already hurt. They have a natural proclivity, right? Proclivity, which means a natural inclination to bondage. Shame, shame, shame. You know what Jesus said about anybody who would offend or would uh, abuse a, a, a young one or a little one? He said, better, 
and this is some good old school Jesus verbiage right now, a millstone. A millstone is like this monstrous rock that you would grind the grain, uh, you know, out you know, in, in the old school. Like, you know, it, today you would have, you know, huge tractors and combines and all this kind of stuff. Back then you had a monstrous stone and you would do that. And Jesus said, anybody who would hurt someone who's young, someone who's immature, someone who is little, it's better for them to wrap that around their neck and jump in the ocean before I get to them. Is basically what he's saying, right? And the same goes for those who are spiritually young, those who are babies in Christ, anyone who would who would hurt them, who would abuse them, who would who who would mistreat them. And Jesus said, hey, "You you you tell you what, he said, but you better you better put a huge rock on your back and jump in the water before I get there, because it'd be better for that than for what's going to happen to you." That's how Jesus feels about it, right? They need to be nurtured. They need to be loved. They need to be taught and love what the Word of God says. And not and, and buddy, not everything they're, they're, are they going to like, you know. So let's not let's not pretend that like that everything that we read in the Bible is fun and easy and something that I want to do uh, in my natural fleshly state. No, it's not. Absolutely not. I, you know, because I still have that that sin nature that tries to rise up. And and there are times in my life where you know you want to you know, pursue that, but you can't. You got to follow Christ and live. As he lived, as the word dictates. So the word tonight, as I think about those Galatians who were stolen from their homes, their lives destroyed, and brought into slavery and captivity. Isn't that amazing that it was Julius Caesar who did that? And how closely it ties Two, this is one generation later. The, the, the people he's writing to, their parents are the ones and grandparents are the ones who, who survived this. It's wild. And some of them didn't survive it. So I ask you, are you allowing yourself to be drawn back into bondage? And if so, I don't say this in a, in a negative way or a hateful way, but I say, I don't get it. Wow, why? Don't do it. Don't be drawn back into the same sin. Don't be drawn back into the same lifestyle. You've been set free. You've, been, you've had liberty preached to you. You've had truth and love and restoration preached to you. Your soul can go to heaven. You don't have to be drawn into bondage because you get drawn back into that slavery. There's only one end. You have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You have seen, you have felt what it is to be a free man, a free woman, a free person. You know what it is like to experience the liberty of Jesus Christ. And I implore you, just like the Apostle Paul, I beg you, do not be drawn back in to a life of bondage, a life of bitterness, a life of as a slave to sin with only one end. For the word of God declares this, that sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. And I ask you, won't you hear the word of God? Shake off those temptations. Shake off those things that try to draw you. And return to the truth of the gospel, the liberty at which you have tasted and be set free.